it's no reason to react. It's no reason to um, put up your uh, defense mechanism if you're feeling safe. But when you're not feeling safe, then we have um, we feel like energy is coming at us, trying to attack us, and then we're starting the defense mechanism. And I can just see it would be different if um, people were trying to integrate qualities of feeling safe. You're about to listen to an interview for EWS. Intending to provide educational information from various domains in psychology, physical exercise or motor learning, an experienced professional joins in a conversation with our funnel, assisting EWS mission of building a mindset and methodology that can optimize both sport performance and mental health. Hope you enjoy and for that I leave you with your host Gonçalo Marques. Hi there, and welcome to EWS Podcast. Today we have a three-way interview, a novelty for EWS where we went on a ride through breathing techniques and their implications, and the importance of perception, both objectively in the field and figuratively when taking a more useful perspective beforehand. You'll understand in just a moment why I'm smiling saying this. And we went even giving some lights on heart rate variability and the vagus nerve. Wait, just a useful reminder. We know you're investing precious time here. So you can also efficiently work your listening experience by checking the timestamps at the end of this episode show notes. You can click over them to jump directly to the pieces that you find most interesting to your needs and wishes. As for my wish, your review and subscription to EWS Podcast. By doing so, we will be able to offer the listeners more quality content regularly to improve the mental game in sports and work. Until you decide on that, keep enjoying this. Around these topics, as always, beyond the theory, we can always address the technical components of them and the attitudinal aspects that are also crucial for good practices. And I guess we got it all balanced out addressing both on several occasions. Overall, I think these guys provided a good sense of what is good internal work to take into consideration in the face of any performance context. I mean, I could be talking here about motivational forms of overcoming adversity and growing from our mistakes, those kinds of stuff that surely have their space and timing and are useful, but it goes beyond that. More basal things that I will not extend here. And if there's something you take home with this, is on the end of the interview. I love the answers these guys gave to my last question. I think those can also impress you as they are somewhat unexpected and indirectly or directly, whoever knows, contributes a long way to improved sports performance and learning. Please stay tuned for that, or if you wish, jump right into there by clicking on the respective timestamp. So, having said that, let me introduce today's guests. First one, he's a former athlete who represented Israel internationally as a fencer and was a special forces operator and commander. So this guy has been exposed to extreme experiences different times. He qualifies with degrees in psychology and Chinese medicine. Plus, 
He has previously worked with the Israeli Olympic sailing team in preparation for the 2016 Olympic Games. In addition to this, he has also worked with younger groups of school students to develop sports-based life skills programs. He believes in learning from different sources and is on a constant self-learning journey to better understand the fundamentals and essence of the human mind. Finally, he is the co-founder of B4, that stands for Behavioral Foresight, and the vision of this company is to explore patterns of behaviors to increase resilience, performance and well-being. Furthermore, their approach attempts to stimulate metacognitive skills as well as pull oneself to the present moment and not stay dwelling on the past or worrying about the future. This other guy comes from Sweden, was voted MVP on Europe's best American football team two years in a row, and is now facilitating retreats and workshops and private consultations to various officials, celebrities and pro athletes. He combines breathwork and coaching in different shapes for an holistic approach to mind and body wellness. Thus, they focus on creating mind and body connection, increase awareness and agility by discovering and strengthening weak links. Indeed, he has some cool informative videos on the Behavioral Foresight Instagram page that you can check it out in the link on the description of this episode. So now, these guys have the ability to see in advance, hinting for their before, and the abilities to check for what are the mental impairments for an optimized performance. Without further ado, let's listen to these two former pro athletes from Behavioral Foresight, Nimrod, also known as Moan, and Billy. Welcome guys, Hi. thank you for joining in. Thank you very much, thank you. Hello, hello everyone. Pleasure yeah, to be to here. Thank Absolutely. you, Gonzalez, for inviting us. So, two former pro athletes, a former pro fencer from Israel and an American footballer from Sweden. So tell us what moved you both in that direction now in the work with athletes and other performance artists, let's say, uh, both individually. What's the passion exactly? Let's start with you, Mon. So I would say that uh, we are in a very interesting journey nowadays with psychology and, and performance psychology as it's uh, shifting from very amorphic and unknown uh, or not true and not evident base, base to a scientific approach. <clears throat> and together with the science, we also evident to lots of technology and tech and equipment that can measure what are we doing and how much health or mental health we are creating in the training. Yeah, yeah. And that's a part that we also <clears throat> emphasize in EWS, not only a focus on improving performance, but also having some care for mental health and the emotional parts on the, on the performance in this case. Yeah. I'm glad you have that passion and that <laughs> developed through your years. I did uh, many of my training years without any science and I think it was a missing link in uh, the training um, because I, it makes the training much more fun. Mm -hmm. We can engage much more with what we are doing and especially as performers we want to see results at the end of the day and if we are doing some training we want to see that we became stronger. 
if you are doing uh, some nutrition, we want to see that we, we are healthier and getting the right uh, weight or the right ratio between muscle and fat. The same thing uh, with psychology. Uh, from a personal story as a fencer, this was my link, my weak link, uh, to be able to gather all my abilities to a crucial moment. And my coaches didn't know the answer or how to hmm. help me with that. So uh, in many points in my career, I lost it for no evident reason. Like what happened? What mm. was that? Everything was there. The mm. preparation were correct. Uh, you thought so you dominated technically the technical aspects, right? Definitely. I, the funny thing that I had so many uh, matches that uh, I was leading in fencing. The knockouts is until 15 points. And I would lead... 13-10, 13-7, which is quite a comfortable lead. Mm -hmm. There's not much to do from here. And uh, unfortunately, things will get confused and suddenly what worked before doesn't work anymore. Yeah, all right. Uh, so it left with the question, no answers. Yeah. <laughs> and you, Billy, your passion. Yeah, give me the question one more time. What led you on this direction of... Uh, assisting athletes yeah. and uh, your breeding work is also a passion you have describe me yeah. that of course of course basically it's just because I've, i was first having my career it was very egocentric i was like really trying to reach the top it was all about me and then boom of course i had a big crash so mm -hmm. during the crash i was trying to navigate and i could feel a lot of fear and, and let's because i had there for a minute why why a big crash of course, you said, of course, why? Yeah. yeah, because it wasn't about the full picture. It was only me looking for approval from the external world, you know? So when I came to the top and I saw like, wow, I'm all, I only did this because I was looking for approval, it made me look more inward. And that uh, was one of the keys in trying to balance the performance and who I was. So through that, I started to build up myself with, more, uh, with a more uh, holistic approach. Uh, so okay. that's an interesting one and um, I think that's why I'm having fun because I can meet the teams and the, the people on a personal level where they are because uh, I think that's one of my strengths that I'm having a lot of experience both on the top and on the lowest points as well mm, cool. so yeah you both have that uh, exact part of feeling a missing link personally in sports and uh, I love the logo of behavioral foresight can you explain me uh, mon uh, as a ceo can you explain me why you chose it uh, this way this name and logo so uh, the explanation is super simple uh, we behavioral foresight uh, mainly focus on perception as i started saying i was an, an athlete later on i been in the israeli military for four years, which give me a very different perspective on life. And I could perform very differently uh, over there in very tough situation and much more pressure and stress than a competition. And I understood or I started to study the, the understanding of perception. Uh, and if I need to explain uh, in one word uh, the idea of behavioral foresight as a company, mm -hmm. it will be uh, perceptions. <clears throat> How can we play with perceptions? So the logo is like that. 
that uh, it started from both directions. And give us some examples in which ways perception can be important. I think my first understanding was that we're at the age of 17, where I need to take a decision. If I'm going and continuing being protracted, doing that for uh, the special forces. Mm. And intuitively, I took a decision of the special forces. And, but then one thing I understood that, okay, I'm in this framework, in these boundaries for three to four years. So this is my playground. That won't be my life. When we are athletes, we see our career as a lifelong. We will always be the athlete. But mm -hmm. here with the military, I knew I started at the age 18, at the age of 20, 22, I will finish. So what do I want to do? How do I want to play in this box? And this led me to a, a nice philosophy I'm following that a life is like a movie. I, I'm the director, I'm the photographer, I'm the main actor, yeah. I'm the editor. Yeah. And because of that, I can change the perception to whatever I want. The photographer will be able to see one angle. The actor himself will see one angle. Uh, and in the military, I played the game. Uh, and then I understood the role or the major person, importance, perception is in our life. All right, all right. And let's move back to that breathing work and to you, Billy. We are now uh, getting off out of confinement due to coronavirus. And um, for me personally, I got the sense that my respiration got worse. And I am informed of uh, good practices on breathing, on diaphragmatic breathing it was all th uh, something that was ingrained on me and you can go through that that simple yet very important way of breathing uh, in our day-to-days but you both agree and i think you say on your website that inaccurate patterns of breathing can lead to mental and physical symptoms so what do you have to say about that and one simple uh, essential thing to look for in our breathing in our day-to-day -day. um I, i hear what you're saying and um, for me the breathing is like a way of communicating to my body because of what's going on right now i think we're sensing a lot of threats and when we are sensing a lot of threats it changes the biochemistry in the body so for me right now the breathing is the tool to calm down my body trying to get more centered in myself And uh, if, it, uh, if we're going to talk about the uh, corona, I don't have uh, a lot to say, though. But for me, and the, what's most essential is that the breathing is the tool of communication to my physical body. Because um, if you don't know how to handle the stress, and if you're sensing too much fear in your environment, of course, your cells is going to close down. And if your cells are closing down for a long time, you don't get the natural recovery. So that's just a point of view for my, uh, from my side. And um, if we want to speak more about it, maybe, Mon, you have something to say? We, we had a, a really interesting conversation, me and Billy, during these times, um, because we are keep on pushing breastwork, and people are like, hey, we don't need it anyway, we are breathing, how much it will help us. And everyone got stressed, as Billy said, the senses problem from the environment, and they woke up. And one of the theories that we are following is the polyvagus uh, nerve, 
which has split our nervous system to three. Uh, it's very known that we have the uh, sympathetic one, which re related to stress and uh, fight yeah. uh, or flight. And we have the parasympathetic, where we also uh, activating the digestive uh, system and the recovery. And many of the breathings will communicate between these two. Sometimes we want to be on the sympathetic one and to train it to be able to handle more pressure from the environment. And sometimes we want to press the button of recovery and to activate uh, recovery through breathing. Uh, the interesting thing, and it's quite uh, new in the world of research, they are talking about the third, third uh, nerve system, which is talking about the freeze. Some of them connecting it to the sympathetic, but nowadays they started talking that it's separate. It's much more fundamental in our behavior and it will be much more close to trauma where we just freeze and none of the systems are working. Mm -hmm. um, the, why I'm mentioning the nerve system? Because the easiest way to manipulate the nerve system is through breathing. Mm -hmm. If we use the breath, we can also manipulate thought and emotions, which again bring me back to the perception. Yeah. The practical part is the breathing. And uh, what are we actually manipulating is a, a vagal tone, the main and the most important uh, nerve in our body. And how do we know that we're activating the, uh, the different tones in the vagal nerve? By an uh, HRV, heart rate variability. It's a parameter that actually is super sensitive and correlated directly to the nerve system. According to the heart variability, you can know which nerve system are you. Are you in the sympathetic or parasympathetic? And the third one, you are froze. You will have no doubt you know that you are there. And can you give some examples of uh, stimulating that uh, vagus nerve and uh, how it relates to heart rate variability? and the benefits activated? So here I will also would like to uh, communicate it with Billy. We had lots of talk, remember, about the resonance frequency breathing. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, but uh, just uh, for the listener, we can um, start by being a little bit uh, practical when it comes to the physical body. Let's say we've been due, um, under um, some slow stress uh, for a while. And uh, me, for example, if I want to just shoot out uh, and go for the fight. I do hard breathing and I really trying to activate the fight mode. After the fight, it will automatically come to me the natural rest. But if I'm just cruising in between, my nervous system okay. won't really know because it's confused. So I really want to speak a lot about this uh, constructive talk that I'm putting into myself through uh, the breath. So... Um, when it comes to the vagus tone, and if we're going to speak a little bit about the parasympathetic nervous system, often when we want to relax, the, the breath in is a little bit shorter and the breathe out and exhale is uh, often longer. That's a typical one, like breathing in for four seconds, exhaling for eight. That's a classic activation of the parasympathetic nervous system. Um, yeah, Mon, let's jump in and speak a little bit about breathing because we got many different techniques that we're using and uh, there's... Uh, oh, so I... I 100% agree with you, Billy. 
we want to have this uh, ability to choose which button are we pressing. Yes. We don't want to uh, advocate and speak only about recovery and relaxation and reduce stress. If we are in the world of performance, mm -hmm. we want to be able to choose when we are highly activated and yeah. it, exactly when is the correct time for me as a performer and to know when I can disactivate the sympathetic nerve system and with a simple breeze that even if I'm live on a TV, people can see me, I can still do that and no one will know that I'm doing that. Yeah, that's, that serves both to regulate our physiological activation and to regulate sometimes our emotional levels in the field, right? Yeah, and mentally, absolutely. This is the steps because if we can measure HRV and we know which nerve system are we and we know we, how, do, or how should we breathe to activate which nerve system, later on we can use it while we are performing, uh, before the match, after a match, during a crucial point, penalty kick is very different preparation than a, a, a normal part of the game. Uh -huh. Golfers need to be able to switch on and off compared to a basketball player who need to play for a few minutes and maybe he will be on the uh -huh. bench for a few minutes. And yeah, so it's like you you can suggest some uh, breeding patterns and rates to follow on. Either a player is going to the bench on a basketball match, either a match has ended and we are resting, recovering, and uh, beforehand just the moments before Let, let's see how where we can go with this uh, some suggestion uh for for before let's say uh, an american football match or a soccer match interesting yeah yeah it, it depends on what role you want to play and how you want to perceive the situation that's a that's a mm -hmm. short and simple answer yeah, yeah i'm i'm remembering my early days on soccer i was a soccer player also and yes i was i was not into these things i was a young man uh i was wondering if it would be better for me to relax like meditate before matches on the uh, outside the field but on, on that place or to listen to some hard rock music to activate myself yes it touches on that preference part part i guess but uh, let me see your views it depends i can only is, is give you an answer like right now spontaneously like if you were one of our clients it could be much about the preparation you don't want to open up the container before the games really start and then we could handle over some uh, breathing techniques for you let's say you're having a worried mind you're thinking too much about different things that is not going to help you then we can apply breathing techniques for this kind of situation this kind of situation so we're having different choices so it start get very start to get very personal now if we, if we speak about what to apply though but it's uh, it's about finding uh, small recipes to use when you're coming in different situations well what you just heard was something probably easy to understand but to assimilate this, or put it into practice, is a harder task for sure. At EWS we aim to translate the theory and mental principles into practice the best way possible. But it all comes down to you. Take a moment to really reflect. Is this good for me? 
what can I do today to implement it? Again, the keyword practice. How can you translate this into practice? Practice it and go ahead. Keep enjoying the process of efficiently working sports. Uh, that's uh, at least my point of view. I don't know what you have to say, Mon. First, I think this is the alchemy that we are doing in before from understanding the personality and measuring uh, our clients using uh, biofeedback to get more answer and to see how they are reacting, what are the uh, levels of inflammation in the body, um, what are, how they perceive stress, um, and accordingly, we will use the breath as a catalyzator, like a motivator to activate what is needed. Mm. Um, and and I will s segregate it or split it to two things. One is a high activation, high arousal, where we want the heart rate to go up. And the other one is disactivation or going back to the relaxation mode to uh, be on a low mode and we are recovering. And the brilliant part that in two to five minutes, you can move between them. It's not something that needs to take long. Of course, if you are more trained, it's easier and you can shift really fast. Yeah, yeah. I really loved your answers uh, because of two reasons. Yeah, I was going into it uh, just seeking for a technique that would help athletes before a match. And Billy reassured us to the importance of being responsive because... Each people will have their unique internal experience and we have to select something appropriate and evaluate the, the state before. And uh, Mon, you remembered me of, again, that perception part and uh, remembered me of um, that idea of reinterpreting stress because many times we look at it as something negative that we are anxious and we will perform bad. But sometimes that activation, physiologically uh, speaking only, is important. It, to, it is preparing us for action. Yeah. See, from my experience with clients, I had clients that they look disaster on the day of the competition. They are all over the place. They are going to screw today. Whatever the, we, pray, we planned and trained, it's not going to happen. And suddenly, they are nailing it. They are like on the top of the world, doing exactly what is needed. And I'm saying that, oh, opposite, everything is perfect, all preparation. The guy, uh, uh, male or female, looking like super sharp. You, they give you the feeling today is the day. Mm -hmm. And suddenly, as they started, it's like they lost it. And this is why... The mental part is the most, uh, I would say, a uh, playful part compared to all the other skills that you are trained as a performer. Uh, the mental thing, it doesn't matter how much you prepared, eventually it can change a, a moment by moment in the yeah. crucial on the money time. Yeah, totally agree with that. And uh, turning back to this breath work, there's this technical part per se the we can talk about the length the patterns the rate even the hummings and uh, there's this part of the attitude there 
the posture that one is having, the thoughts that one is having with his life, with his problems, and also with the practice per se of breath work. And I heard Billy on some of your Instagram quick videos also telling this. You provide some uh, examples, some exercises, some ideas, but I guess, and I want Billy to talk about it, I guess you have this integrative part of also knowing what may function best for you and how can you naturally breathe your way into what's most appropriate for the situation, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I hear a lot of information coming from you right now, but if you're going to be specific with the question, I can just give you some pre-information. When I sit down and I'm going to do some breath work, okay, what is important for me? I want my biochemistry to be elevated. I want my biochemistry to be good because when I have good biochemistry in my body, I will have many different options to perform or just be. Um, it's about uh, releasing hormones. Uh, it's about uh, being more familiar with yourself. It's, in, it's hard for me to give you a good answer now as well because uh, I, I, I would love the specific questions for you. Mm -hmm. Then I'm going to give you a good answer. <laughs> it's getting very wide. But what you're saying about the, the content I'm sharing, what do you want to more, know more about? No, I'm thinking, uh, I, uh, my idea here, Billy, remember we also discussed it many times on, you know, every morning we will wake up and we'll do different exercise. Yeah. It's not that we went and did every day the same thing. Exactly. And every morning we'll hear, how come you did this exercise today? What was behind this exercise today? Yeah, and and we could see that some days we wanted more energy, and then exactly. we found out that the exercises of the quick breath and going full out and creating drama, yeah. uh, giving us two two things in one. One is this energetic levels that we are full on. Yeah, and at the same time we started the the physiology, the physiological circulation from the heart the immune system and uh, recovering on the go we don't mm -hmm. need to stay in bed and hide to recover we can be highly active with great energy but the the waves started really high we have the energy and now because we are doing some retentions or long exhalations we also activated uh, the immune system and the recovery mm -hmm. yeah absolutely we can mention maybe one of these exercises. Nice. Yeah, so let's wrap that idea up with your exercise, Billy. Yeah, we were, we were speaking about the um, uh, double inhalation and the uh, single exhalation. So basically what we're doing, when we're doing the first inhalation, we're opening up the lower part of the diaphragm and then the upper chest, and then we let go. Why? Because we want to use the full spectrum of our capacity. When we are rising the levels of oxygen in the body, many cool things will start to happen. We will have more oxygen in our brain and we are rising the function in our self. And no specific lengths on each inhalation and exhalation there? From my point of view, I'm really going with the feeling on this one. Maybe Mon got a different point of view, but uh, let's say two, two, three. Two, two, three. I'm always trying to listen to my body and integrate with my clients when we're doing it. 
uh, in this specific breathing, but it's about engaging the diaphragm and then engaging the upper part of your lungs. Yeah. So you're really yeah. trying to use your capacity. Yeah. Belly first, chest first, and uh, exhalation. Lower part of your belly first when you breathe mm -hmm. in, then upper part of your chest, and then you just let out, uh, let it go out without forcing it. Softer, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And when you feel that it's uh, if it's hard in the beginning, it's probably that little bit of energy is stuck in your body. It could be stored stress. It could be some traumas. But the reason why we did it was just to like release and get good flow inside our bodies. Mm -hmm. That was the main cause for, um, why we did it. When Billy spoke earlier about the full potential, um, with the breathing, but also in generally, we want to reach the edges as performers and as athletes. We keep on trying to look for the edge. If I'm on the edge in a grounded position, I'm in the right place. If I'm too safe, I will not be able to perform yeah. properly. If I'm overdoing it, I just took a not so smart risk and I lost it. How can I learn my edges? Yeah. Um, Such a cool concept uh, that relates very much to flow and I love you also talk about that just yesterday I published an episode on that on being oh. on that frontier of our comfort and discomfort zone where growth may lie so yeah continuing on so so in this breathing exercise it's more about the one who exercise how much he can or she can push Okay. Um, and actually by doing that, we are training the correct pattern of breathing, but this is on the way. The main muscles, as Billy mentioned, is the diaphragm, and the second main muscle is the chest. Many of us breathing through the shoulders or through the neck. Yes. And, and this is creating other problems, like using the wrong muscle for whatever act you are doing. Accumulates tension there. Exactly. And there's a, the neck is a very emotional area with lots of gland. Yeah. So we are already putting lots of uh, overstimuli on the gland without real emotion. When the emotion comes, then we are collapsing. Mm -hmm. So with this breathing exercise is to find the full potential of the lung capacity. Mm -hmm. and the, the load of the lungs, the capacity, the energy, the flow which also in behavioral foresight, we can measure these things. And in some of our clients, we measure that to see progression. But at the same time, we're training to get to the full potential with the correct pattern. The diaphragm is going down first, the chest is coming right after, and then a long exhalation to let go on both of them. So elongating our exhale can be beneficial in, in some ways, right, Billy? Yeah, that's correct, and that's um, it's about uh, how are the body is going going. It's about how the body is going to manage the situation. We got the two. Let's talk about the the muscle different two different different muscle types we got in the body. One of the uh, muscle types is working very good, uh, like if we're doing bench pressing, for example, and another one is working very good if we're gonna run for long. If we're having that long exhale, we're telling the body hey, you're going to work in this kind of way. And that's uh, where I think uh, you're doing the communication, uh, which is the breathing technique you're speaking about. Mm. But that's, you're saying that only in a symbolic way or also there's an effect physiologically? 
No, since you were talking about the slow exhale, I'm, mm. um, from my point of view, I'm, I'm saying that you're speaking to the... the long trainings, free diving, right? For example. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You don't want to activate the bench press uh, muscles. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of muscle fibers. Yeah. We, we actually, we know about uh, activating muscles. We have aerobic and anaerobic activation. Yes. Aerobic, as Billy said, we are communicating uh, endurance, we are communicating long period of uh, activity, marathon, uh, while we have the anaerobic, which will be much more sprints, bench press, uh, full power for short time. Got it. What differentiates between them is the oxygen in the muscles. Is the muscles using oxygen? And aerobic needs a larger amount for a short period of time, right? Is that it? Uh, aerobic means that the muscles using oxygen, oxygen to be active. When we're moving to the uh, anaerobic, it means that anaerobic, no oxygen. The muscles start to eat themselves to keep on having the energy to keep on moving. That's why we have the lactic acid and we feel that they got tight. The uh, example you gave with the hyperventilation that I'm... <laughs> I'm fooling myself with oxygen, which is very similar, uh, but not the same to what Wim Hof is doing. We're pumping lots of oxygen that be stored in our body, which allow us to maintain a longer period of time without oxygen because we stored it. Okay, yeah. So for example, for deep diving, for free diving, many of them use this technique because they are storing oxygen in the muscles and this gives them the uh, still mindset to go deep without sinking and without feeling the uncomfort quickly. Yeah. I think this is where as performers we want to know when we are training and the breastwork is a training to challenge us to uh, become another thing that we need to master. And even in our Instagram page, some of the techniques are like that, where mm -hmm. we're creating a challenge for the body. We are not helping. We are not recovering. We are actually challenging, like again, like a workout, a physical workout. Yeah. So the body, again, gets used to function with less oxygen or to know how to utilize the oxygen to ATP, your energetic uh, units, much more efficiently, like high altitude. High altitude training is all about the breathing. Like and we that. want to know in the performing moments, when we're going to perform, what we want to use. We don't want to use the same thing because we be very short on breath quickly if we will use the same thing we did in training. Yeah. As Billy said, now the performer, I need to know that if I'm on the bench, do I need to pump myself? Or do I fully shut down and I'm recovering? When they call me, I will switch on. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure here Billy can give some examples from his moments of moving uh, quickly out of the bench to yeah. suddenly tackle yeah. the situation. Yeah. In American football is also an example of that. Absolutely. That's, that, that's what the real game is about. Like Mon is saying, on or off. If you're in, too, in between for too long, you will get a lot of confusion. And that's not going to create a healthy state in your body. So I really like this kind of on and off game. So when I'm on the bench, what am I communicating? Um, it's deep, 
it's slow, relaxation. It's not about the game. It's just about uh, letting go of, uh, of the game, but uh, still trying to stay mellow. And when then, when I'm going on the field, bam, it's a fight. Mm -hmm. It's time to do my mission. So it's, it's very different between the communications. Yeah, and again, it, this is a matter of bringing consciousness into our trainings, into our phases, because we could be wondering, just going to the bench, yeah, waiting, uh, paying attention to the game and then getting in. And this is a more deliberate approach, right? Uh, let, let's say sports of high intensity like that, like tennis, rackets. I, I, I also play fresco ball. I don't know, Mon, in, in Israel, they call Matkot. Oh, you know Matkot. Yeah. <laughs> I love that sport. I love it. When I go to Israel, the first thing will, uh, will be going to the beach, uh, meeting those guys. But yeah, um, maybe some ideas uh, more on uh, being on the field in a point and turning a bit off on those time-offs. Yeah, Mon, you go mm. for this one. I think here we want again to uh, connect and show the correlation between breathing and state of mind. Uh, I will come back to the performance in the moment of jumping out of the bench to the ground. But if we look on the meditation, it's more than 3,000 years philosophy, science, that using breath as a, a, a regulate and train states of mind from from there if we are jumping back to performance nothing changed if i can use it to regulate my state of mind in meditation i can also do it between the bench and the moment of performance and i think this is the most uh, strongest link and the most important one with the breath as we spoke one is you know in the muscle level and the oxygen level But also we should remember very sharply and accurately the connection with the state of mind. Yeah. I can change my state of mind. And again, this is where the perception comes. Because if I need to stop, something is not working. As you mentioned, tennis. In tennis, what one of the most beautiful parts, I can lose many games but still win the set. How can I control that? The breath is one of the most simple tricks to help me remind myself what is mm -hmm. my discipline and what kind of strategy I want. And maybe I need to do a change and to pay attention what is working and what not in working. Chaos to start, stop. And when I say start, stop, is exactly what happened. All of us perform. We know that in the rush and the arousal of the moment, we don't stop. And later on, we think, oh, I should have done something different. Mm. Yeah. Two breaths, and I'm in the game again. And yeah. I can smile although I lost a point, because mm -hmm. I know what is next. I can change my perception mm -hmm. with a single breath, if I'm trained enough. Yeah. And if the breaths have a meaning of controlling my states of mind. There's so much inside of what you've said. And I want to hear Billy add on this, but uh, just that this... Breathing work in sports many times is undervaluated. And um, it's a general view we have on athletes. They have a capacity to rise up to various challenges and sustain themselves in high-stress environments, maybe by the willpower, maybe 
be by the hard work, hard work mentality. But just touching on that hard work, many times uh, athletes do hard work, but go on an inappropriate direction. Uh, I just heard, had a guest uh, last week, Brian Kane was telling that he was a good athlete, good example, working hard, but he was getting further away of the development he needed to have in order to evolve and be at a top level. And yes, many times this touches on getting in the present, on recognizing what our necessities are and how can we getting back to the points that are going uh, in the present to recover from that those losses that you were telling because many times athletes or any other person may get tangled up in worries about the future in rumination in uh, yeah getting stuck in past errors and so yeah i believe that's why you say you work with perception you work backwards in the chain reaction that usually govern behavioral responses yeah uh, so much power in that billy do you want to add something on this uh, well, i like it we're, we're we're starting to come close to the core and it's it's so simple like the way you look at things <laughs> it's it says so much If you're a golf player and you're getting stuck in your thoughts and think that you are your thoughts, you will have a bad chain reaction. If you just can zoom out from this stuckness, it will be totally different because then you can choose the story. You maybe have a coach, you have a strategy. When this happens, I do this. It's um, That's what I'm feeling. But really, the way you look at things, uh, I think that's uh, such a simple and good one to yeah. make a big thing small. Yeah the relativeness of uh, perception, the importance of having a, a system prepared in our minds. Yeah. yeah, yeah. when the error is coming. Yeah, because that's bound. That's when the chain reaction is starting to kick in. Mm -hmm. And to have some kind of strategies there and really trying to observe yourself and uh, get more clarity by that, uh, I think that's something that has been working for me. And when we are practicing in the, our daily breath work, we're always practicing this. and yeah observing ourselves as well or and in this meeting when we're talking like this maybe my thoughts started to run away well, i want to say this i want to talk about this but hey just stay present and and we can take it from there i think that's an important key yeah yeah and like you said about the other guy i think it's important to look at pure motives as well you know is is what i'm doing fear based or is it love based that's a pretty simple one as well Yeah, uh, reframing. We can we can be reframe uh, framing that uh, in fear terms, in avoiding terms, or we can be framing that in a more positive way. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Exactly. And that uh, also touches on a quote I've I've seen on, I think it was in your about page on the website. A man who knows himself can step outside of himself and watch his own reaction as an outsider. And this also touches on this idea of emotional acceptance, counteracting our reactivity, our, how do I say this? Yeah, reactivity includes in its definition here that uh, unconscious uh, first reaction almost like being in that sympathetic nervous system 
kind of action, fight or flight. And uh, yeah, uh, just uh, just bringing this in for for the importance of all these that we are talking. And uh, this also touches on kind of a paradox, and this will be a challenging question for you, but I think we can resolve that. Because on the one hand, we tell uh, athletes, in this case, to let go, to accept the circumstances they're in, that emotional acceptance part, and not being a control freak. But on the other hand, we can be advocating for being in control of ourselves, of, of this idea of mind control as good. How can we reconcile that? My simple answer is that uh, I'm promoting a, a small disorder, multi-personality disorder. <laughs> uh, and, and, and it sounds funny, but uh, this is, I think, the reality. As you read the sentence from our website, we need to be involved, but at the same time, we want to be the observer. And I think this is the art. If I can uh, jump out of the from the bench and go for full active uh, in a mission readiness and arousal, I'm there. At the same time, I also want to see that I'm not overdoing it. That mm -hmm. if I need to play now 45 minutes, I will be able to do that. And not from excitement, I will, my fuel will run short very quickly. I need someone to monitor it and we have only ourselves. We can't be dependent on someone that monitor it for us. And because no one knowing what's going on inside. And so it's really important to develop this, at least two character, one that can fully engage with what's going on and have the discipline to follow the strategy and to put the right state of mind and to be fully immersed with what's happening. Simultaneously to have this, uh, I will call it the angel, the observer, that keep on checking what's going on, monitoring the situation and helping us to understand, okay, do you need to take more risks to handle the situation? Maybe you can come down and it will work easier for you. But very objective, I would say. The engaged person will take the decision. The observer is he's just observing. To do that is the let go, is the art of let go that nowadays there is a research about uh, the science about letting go. They can see it through, again, HRV and they can see it uh, with different breathing techniques. How do you let go and very quickly you can move between this dimension of fully in the game and fully out. It was great. Billy, your answer to this? I like what we're talking about and um, yeah, we're speaking about the game. It's easy. I can only look at my old self when I was in my ego. I was my thoughts. I was, if I was doing this, I was getting this compared to what's going on right now. It's a different game because number one, you don't take things really personal in that dimension. And uh, number two, you get um, more space to move in because you can... You're not uh, getting too attached to the physical body. So I really like uh, speaking about this observation. And um, yeah, sometimes we are too reactive on our environment. And that just makes us go uh, making crazy decisions. But if we can let go of the control, we will have more space to move in. And by having this space, 
we can make better decisions. I think that's what's coming up for me now, at least when we're talking about this. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, and I'm getting the idea of uh, being more freer in a way so the athlete can have more creativity. It's not that much tense. Um, it's not being that control freak, I guess. And maybe, yeah. And uh, it's that thing of readjusting when one needs to adjust his stance, his play, his strategy on the field and having those moments uh, because this uh, needs reflection, um, stepping out and then the moments of profoundly engaging in, being present, being totally in, yeah. I think uh, we as the performers, we all need to have this skill of adjustability adaptability and being able to uh, respond to changes. Again, there are different sports and swimming will be different than football or singing will be different than comedy. But still, and this, if we want to connect it to what's going on nowadays with a, a COVID situation, people suddenly woke up, hey, we don't know to adjust. It's a new situation. What to do? Responsive methods. That's the key word here responsiveness for me well to end this up i will ask you both what do you think would be the number one ingredient for efficiently work in sports billy mm. having a good fundamental feeling safe because when you're feeling safe you will instead of reacting have the possibility to respond to the situation more beneficial for you so just having a good fundamental of uh, feeling like having safe feelings well can you tell me if you're saying safety as a synonym of confidence or can you differentiate the both on them yeah so when i'm saying safe it's like if i'm feeling safe being in this body the natural uh, uh, thing that will be next is that i want to explore my potential but if you're not feeling safe maybe you will just react shooting from a Uh, from the fundamentals of fear but when i feel safe i can explore my potential so i think that's a good ingredient to start with feeling safe because then it doesn't matter um, and you can collect new ideas you can be challenged because you will not feel the need to defend yourself to constrain yourself right it's different uh, from uh being super courageous or reckless or being confident it's it's yeah I, i i'm getting it as a more profound thing i like that can you add something or that's it uh, but like yeah when, when you have having this kind of feelings you know it's uh, it's no reason to react it's no reason to um put up your uh, defense mechanism if you're feeling safe but when you're not feeling safe then we have um we feel like energy is coming at us trying to attack us and then we're starting the defense mechanism and i can just see looking at the the big picture right now what's going on it would be different if um, people were trying to integrate qualities of feeling safe having mm -hmm. constructive self-talk and really trying to integrate by feeling safe inside of self yeah because when we're not feeling safe um yeah it, we're really draining ourselves i think That also comes from um, when it comes to recovery. There's mm -hmm. need to be reason to recovery. If you still feel like it's a lot of threats going on, it's uh, much going on in your environment, 
the body won't understand that is there is reason to recover as well so i think that's just a good eat ingredient yeah love that mon your ingredient do you have one i would like to uh, contribute to what billy had said and i i think it will be similar i'm calling it trust self-trust i've been in different situations in my life and i experience others in different situations i think the essential the most fundamental trait that makes the difference is a level of self-trust so i saw i saw things that make no sense that someone can do that but at that point of time the And again, if we are looking bigger, not on the individual, when we trust ourselves, we give ourselves an opportunity to trust others. When we trust others, we are much more connected. Yeah. Mm. So I, I think this gives safety as well. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I think this is where we are getting connected. Pretty much connected, yeah. Guys, love this. I think we got in some psychological uh issues and there is mental part in general in sports and also some more specific techniques i will be grateful to you both for that and uh, to end how people can reach you out on the internet we as behavioral foresight we have an instagram page behavioral.foresight and, and nowadays we are also uh, rebuilding our website which will be under the same name behavioral foresight where you can find uh, our experts you can join uh, our health journeys and see your programs exactly all right you uh, can find you my information okay. at uh, bill eastman on instagram but mainly when it comes to that, that's a little bit more life philosophy but when it comes to this kind of topics um, we we go for what mon was talking about all right thank you very much it was a great pleasure Yeah, great pleasure. Cool. Yeah. See you soon, guys. Hey, you, athlete, student, or worker of some kind. We want to know real cases. So tell us, from what you've heard, what have you been missing out? What is one idea that popped into your mind while listening? Feel free to share in the comments so we can assist you further. See ya. Thank you for listening to this EWS interview. To see more, go to ewsport.eu. If you want to open up a discussion about some topic address, reach out by commenting below or leave a message at ewsport.eu. Hope you enjoyed. See you on the next one.